Good evening. Hi. How are you? You good? I have a question for you. Have you ever had an argument with someone and you knew the other person was right, but you just kept arguing? I think we do that with God sometimes. You know, we, we, we have a pretty good idea he's probably right, but we don't want to admit it. You know, there's those verses we love about God's grace, forgiveness, heaven. But then maybe there are a few passages that might not be our favorite because they may tell us things about ourselves we don't want to admit. Or maybe the Lord gives us a command we don't feel like obeying, we resist. Well, my dear, wonderful sisters in Christ, who I love and I respect so much, today's passage speaks directly to wives. It's a passage that pretty quickly separates women into two camps. Those who are quite comfortable with the three verses we're going to look at today, and those that are not so much. Do you think it's funny that Pastor Mark assigned this passage to me, and then he left on vacation? He's not even in California. He's all the way across the United States. I think this would be an excellent time for us to pray. Father, we're having a good time because we just love being in your house and singing your praises, and now we get to open your word. And Lord, it is your word. These are not my words or the church's words or society rules. These are the holy words straight from heaven. And Father, I just pray we would receive them that way. Open our eyes and our ears and our hearts just to, to see the role you have for wives and the role you have for each one of us more clearly than we have before. This could change marriages. This could certainly change how we see ourselves and how we see you. So we commit this time to you now in our Savior's precious name. Amen. Please turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Have you ever uh, seen a really, really good celebrity impersonator? My favorite was Rich Little. If you remember Rich Little, he, uh, he did great imitations of, uh, of uh, Johnny Carson, John Wayne, he'd do Jack Benny, and probably his best was, was Jimmy Stewart, if you saw him do that. Chapter 5 begins by commanding every one of us to be an imitator. Do you see that? Who are we supposed to imitate? Look at verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. How do we imitate God? Paul tells us with specific instructions in chapters 5 and chapter 6. Look at verse 2. It says, walk in love just as Christ loved you. When you were toddlers, when you and I were toddlers, when we were toddlers, we had to learn how to walk. But after we learned, we all pretty well had it down, didn't we? We didn't have to take walking refresher courses in elementary school and in high school. But as God's children of all ages, we need constant instruction and reminders of how to walk with him. Look at verse 15 in the New International Version, NIV. It says it this way, be very careful then how you walk or, or live. Be very careful how you walk or live. Not as unwise, but as wise. 
When God tells you and me to be very careful, should we pay attention? If you go to your doctor and he or she tells you, be very careful, do you listen? Sadly, some people don't. I, uh, I worked with a man a few years ago. He was a legend in the live entertainment industry. I'm not going to mention his name, but when I finally had the opportunity just to be in the room with this entertainment icon, I could tell he wasn't well. I learned that he was being treated for cancer. One of his assistants said that their doctors had told him to rest, but there's just no stopping this guy. Here he had flown halfway around the world to be at this meeting. A few weeks later, I learned that he died. I can't help but wonder if he would still be with us had he been very careful to do what the doctor had told him. God says, be very careful how we live. Then in the rest of chapter 5 and 6, God tells us not only how to live with him, but how to live with each other. Our text today, verses 24 to 22 to 24, comes under the heading of instructions for Christian households. Now Paul gets down to specific ways we are to obey the Lord in home, in our homes. He addresses wives first. Contrary to what men may think, Paul did not start with the wives because they are the bigger problem. The Holy Spirit directed Paul to address wives first, so that's what Paul did. Men, speak to the men for just a moment. If you feel yourself being tempted at any part of this message to poke your wife in the ribs, or be a little too excessive with your head nodding in agreement? Be warned. Pastor Mark will address Paul's instructions to men next week. Let's read together Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 to 24. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Here's the outline. Let me put the outline up. It's pretty, pretty straightforward. We see God's instructions to wives. We get the what, then we get the why, and we get the where. Verse 22, wives be sub... Thank you, ladies, by the way, that are smiling at me. <laughs> that means a lot right now. Wives, be subject or submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. You know, standing alone, standing alone, this verse can seem arbitrary and unfair to women. But we have to notice this verse does not stand alone. No verse in Scripture stands alone. Look at, let's look at the verse right before it, verse 21, Ephesians 5, 21. It says, And be subject, which means submit to one another in the fear of, which means respectful reverence of Christ. So before Paul speaks to the wives in verse 22, in verse 21, he talks to all of us. In verse 21 and 22, the words be subject, those words be subject are in the present imperative tense. I had to look that up. The present imperative tense, so what? So this. It means that these are commands, not suggestions. God gives every one of us the command to submit to each other and then he tells wives to, to submit to their husbands. We should also notice that our three verses to wives today 
are followed by nine verses to the husbands that Pastor Mark will cover next week. I think it's human nature to have a negative reaction to the word submit. Or pride. Our pride can make us feel like if we submit to someone, it means we lose and the other person wins. If, if we let our pride do our thinking, if we let our pride do our thinking, then the word submit, submit looks like failure to us, not, not victory, not success. Submit looks like it's something weak, not strong. So let's think about this for a minute. God, in his perfect knowledge of what's absolutely best for us, commands us to submit to each other and wives to submit to your husbands. So here's the question you and I have to answer before we can leave. What happens when we obey God? What happens every time we obey God? If we obey God, do we lose or do we win? Do we fail when we obey God or do we succeed? Are we weak or are we strong? The only way, the only way that you and I can lose, the only way that you and I can fail, the only way that we are weak is when we disobey God. I'll say that again because I need to hear it. The only way that you and I can lose, the only way we can fail, the only way we are weak is when we choose to disobey God. I'm going to put Psalm 19 up on the screen for you, verses 8, and we'll look at verse 8, and then we'll look at verse 11. This is, this is amazing. It says, the precepts. What are precepts? Those are rules. They're instructions. They're commands. The precepts of the Lord are right. That means they are best for us. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. That means it's perfect, enlightening the eyes. And then here's verse 11. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is what? Great, great reward in keeping his command. As we learn to love and trust our God, we learn to love and trust every single word he says. Obedience to God always brings great reward. So let's take another look at the word submit and to see what it should mean to every follower of Jesus. We'll put this on the screen. I, I think this is a wonderful submission uh, de definition. Submission means living with such confidence in the Lord that we are free, we are free from the burden of needing to have our own way. So I'm going to leave that on the screen for a while just so you can see it. I love that. Submission means living with such confidence in the Lord that we're freed up, we're free from needing, the, having that burden of needing to have our own way. Last week, Pastor Mark said this. I wonder if you remember. Pastor Mark said, the more we surrender to God, the more free we are. Remember that? He said, the more we surrender to God, the more free we are. Why? Because Pastor Mark taught us God designed us that way. So a submissive wife is absolutely free to share her thoughts and her wishes with her husband. Yet she does not need to have her way. Why? Because the spirit-filled wife has something more important on her mind. She may want her way, that's fine, but she's more interested in going God's way, whatever way that is. Obeying God 
brings so much confidence from her that she has so much more confidence in the Lord than in her own self and her own wants. She trusts God for every outcome, even if the outcome isn't something that she wants at the moment. One of my favorite authors said it this way. Can I have that next quote? I quote Dallas Willard from time to time. He said this. It's great. This was toward the end of his life, and he said, I'm practicing the discipline of not having to have the last word. Submission takes practice, (laughs) lots and lots of practice. But it begins by placing every relationship, especially our marriages, in the Lord's sovereign hands, putting the Lord in charge of our marriage and trusting him to lead us according to his perfect but often mysterious will. So a submissive attitude is the foundation to all of the relationships that Paul writes about in chapters 5 and 6. We need to have a humble, submissive attitude if we want a thriving relationship with God. If you don't care about having a thriving relationship with God, then don't worry about it. But if you want a thriving relationship with God, you and I, we need a humble, submissive attitude. We also need a humble, submissive attitude to have a thriving relationship with each other. And between husband and wife, in later verses, he addresses children and parents and employers and employees. So if we put verse 21 and 22 together, I think they go together, they say this, as we all humbly submit to each other in our common relationships, wives be sure to submit to your own husband in the very special relationship of marriage. That's verse 22. Let's talk about marriage for a moment. There are so many books written about marriage and classes and seminars and of course jokes just for fun I thought if you wouldn't mind you might enjoy hearing a few marriage jokes someone once said man is incomplete until he's married then he's finished (laughs) Henny Youngman said my wife and I found the secret to happiness we go out to a fine restaurant once a week I go on Tuesdays she goes on Thursdays Rodney Rodney Dangerfield said, my wife and I were happy for 20 years, then we met. A man inserted this ad in the classifieds, wife wanted. The next day he received a hundred letters, they all said the same thing, you can have mine. Let's look at marriage, thank you for laughing, let's look at marriage from God's point of view. Please turn to Genesis chapter 2. While you're turning to Genesis chapter 2, I want to talk about Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis 1, God created the world and everything in the world. And he declared that it was good, very good. Then in chapter 2 that you're turning to, for the first time in the Bible, and the first time in the history of the world, God saw something that wasn't good. What did he see that was not good? He saw that man was alone. Look at Genesis 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. A helper suitable. What does that mean? A helper suitable translates into a helper comparable or an equal partner or someone just right for the job. Do you remember how God created this perfect partner? For the man, you remember? Look at verse 22 of Genesis 2. 
Verse 22. The Lord God fashioned. That word fashioned means God literally built or sculpted. God, uh, God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. God is a God of order. We need to understand that. God is a God of order. He followed a specific order for how he created the world and everything in the world. For example, God created the fish and the birds before he created the land animals. Then he created the man before he created the woman. Why did God create the man first? Women may say it's because God needed a rough draft <laughs> before he created perfection. Men may say God created man first because he didn't want any suggestions. What does the Bible say? The Bible says God created the man before the woman because that's the way God wanted to do it. Simple as that. Let's notice, though, that God did not create the woman from the man's foot so that she would be beneath him. And she didn't, he didn't create the woman from the man's head so that she would be above. He took the woman from the man's rib so the two would be joined and be side by side as they worked together. Right after God created the woman, the Lord conducted the world's first wedding ceremony where he announced his plan for marriage. Look at verse 24 of Genesis chapter 2. Verse 24. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Pop quiz. Don't look at your pages for a moment. Pop quiz, okay? God created the husband and wife to become what? A business, a business unit where the husband's the boss and the wife's the employee? No. Thank you for shaking your heads that way. Did God create marriage to be a dictatorship where the husband says jump and the wife says how high? No. God created the husband and wife to become one flesh. One flesh means the husband and wife are bonded together as one, as equal halves. God gives different roles. God gives different roles to the husband and wife in marriage, but the two are one flesh. They are equals. I'll say that again. God gives different roles, different purposes for the man and the woman in the marriage, but the two are equals. Let's turn back to Ephesians 5.22. With all of that behind us, let's look at verse 5.22 one more time. Well, a few more times. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Who does this command come from? From the husband or from God? It does come from God, not the husband. Husbands, we are not to force our wives to submit or try to dominate or diminish our wives in any way. The command to submit does not suggest at all inferiority in the one that submits or superiority in the one that is in authority. Let's look at two other similar scriptures. First, it'll be on the screen. Hebrews 13, 17. The writer of Hebrews, writing to the church, says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. We know from scripture that we are all one in Christ. We are all equal. Yet, it's God's will, it's God's plan for his church to have people in authority 
that we obey and we submit to. Look at 1 Peter 5.5. 5. It says, you younger men, likewise, be subject, there's that word again, submit to your elders, and all of you close, your, close yourselves in humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Again, we are all of us equal in Christ, yet it's God's will in our relationships that we respect our elders and we clothe ourselves in humility toward each other. Therefore, we see that God's command to submit has nothing to do with superiority or inferiority, but it has everything to do, everything to do with trusting and obeying God's will in our marriages, in the church, and in our relationships. Did you notice the very sweet description right in the middle of this command in verse 22? Isn't this sweet? Wives, be subject to your own husbands. The word own implies a tender and exclusive relationship between the wife and her husband. To your own husband carries the meaning that the husband belongs to the wife. The two are one flesh. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Here, of course, is the key to the entire thing. We need to understand what it means to say as to the Lord. There are two wrong teachings we should talk about first before we talk about the right one. Wrong teaching number one says the phrase as to the Lord means that a wife should submit to her husband as if her husband has the authority and infallibility of God. This wrong teaching tells wives they must do whatever, whatever the husband says, including things that are cruel or dangerous or illegal or immoral or against the commands of God. There is a theological word for this kind of teaching. Baloney. Nowhere does scripture teach unqualified submission to anyone except to God alone. To treat your husband like God is to commit the sin of idolatry. Wrong teaching number two says, as to the Lord means wives only need to submit to their husbands when the husband is clearly obeying the Lord. This false teaching puts the wife in the role of deciding what is godly and what is not. Basically then, she only needs to submit to her husband when she agrees with him. This is not biblical su submission at all. Everyone, everyone submits to everyone when everyone's in agreement. It's only when there's a disagreement that submission is tested. Submission is tested when there's a disagreement. So what is the correct teaching? As to the Lord establishes the motive, the motive of the wife's obedience to her submission to her husband. Wives, your reason, your reason for submitting to your husband is because it's part of your discipleship to Jesus. You submit to your husband because Jesus wants you to. It is part of your discipleship to Jesus. We're saying this another way. You submit to your husband not necessarily because he is worthy, but because God is absolutely worthy of your obedience. I'll say that again. You submit to your husband not necessarily because he is worthy, but because you know God is absolutely worthy of your obedience. So when a wife submits to her husband, it really says more about her relationship with her Lord than it does with her relationship with her husband. My wife, Joni, said it this way. She said, 
A wife submits to her husband because this is what God wants her to do to help her husband become the husband God wants him to be. I'll say that again because that was brilliant, sweetheart. A wife submits to her husband because this is what God wants her to do to help her husband become the husband God created him to be. Remember the warning of verse 15 we read, be very careful how you live, not as unwise but as wise? The unwise wife says, I'm not going to submit to my husband for these reasons. Unwise. The wise wife says, I will submit to my husband for the most important reason. It's God's will for me. To my dear unmarried sisters in Christ, please be wise, not unwise, in your choice of a husband. I know he can be so cute, so charming, but make sure he's the man you can love and respect and submit to for the rest of your life. Okay, let's read verse 23, but we'll start at 22 and move into 23. Wives, be subject, for your own, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. How kind, how thoughtful and gracious of our Lord. He knows his command to wives is going to be difficult for some to hear and obey, so he very kindly gives us some excellent reasons why a wife would want to obey. The first reason we just covered in verse 22. A wife submits to her husband because it's part of her discipleship to Jesus. We just saw that, so that's one reason. That would actually be enough, I think, but God gives us more. Verse 23 gives us another reason why wives submit to their husbands. For means because the husband is the head of the wife. What does that mean? A husband is the head of the wife. It means the husband, God gives the husband the authority and with the authority the responsibility and the accountability to be the leader in the home, to be the leader in the home. Okay, how did the husband get that job? Was there a vote? Some prenup? No, every place in God's word where it explains the headship of the husband, it always is tied to the fact that God created the man before the woman. We read that together in, in uh, Genesis 2. It's God's will for the man to take the leadership role in the marriage and for the woman to be her husband's equal partner and his most important ally. Chuck Swindoll tells the following story to illustrate the role of the submissive wife. Here's his story. A pastor finished his Sunday sermon and a woman of the church came up to him and said afterwards, oh, pastor, that was the best message you've ever preached. Pastor thanked her, but the woman had more to say. She went on and she just gushed and she said, not only was it the best message you've ever preached, pastor, it was the best message I've ever heard. Clearly, pastor, you are one of the top biblical orators alive in the world today. Embarrassed by the excessive praise, the pastor thanked her and departed. Later, the pastor was in the car with his wife on their way home from church. As he drove along, he said to his wife, Mrs. Smith really liked my sermon today. The wife smiled. Pastor went on. She said it was my best one and, you know, 
She thinks I'm one of the top biblical orators alive in the world today. The wife said nothing. They drove on in silence for a moment. Then the husband added, Gee, I wonder how many top biblical orators are alive in the world today? At this point, the wife spoke up and said, One less than you think. <laughs> Husbands, God knows how badly we need our wives to keep us on the right path. Paul continues in verse 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. You're in, we're in Ephesians chapter 5. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Ephesians 4, 15 says, But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him, that means Christ, who is the head. So Paul declares in verse 15 that Jesus is the head of the church, and Paul repeats that declaration in verse 23. The point Paul is making is that Jesus clearly has authority over the church, just as the husband clearly has authority in the home. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. Hmm, we have to think about that. Some have mistaken this passage to mean that the husband is the savior of his wife, that he can save his wife, he can get his wife into heaven simply by marrying her and staying married to her. That is not what this verse is saying at all. If a woman looks to her husband for salvation, that's idolatry. Every single one of us, man and woman, must come to Jesus on our own. He is our only Savior. We need to understand the sentence structure of verse 23. Look at it one more time. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, comma, he himself being the Savior of the body. Grammatically, the word himself refers only to Jesus, not, not to the husband. The comparison Paul is making between Jesus and the husband relates only only to a position of headship, not to a position of salvation. Paul is also here laying the foundation for what he is going to say to men about what kind of leaders we are supposed to be, what kind of husbands we're supposed to be. The husband is responsible to lead, protect, and preserve his wife with the self-sacrificing love of Christ. Pastor Mark will cover that next week. Men, let's man up and make sure we're here next week. In verse 24, Paul explains where the wife is to submit to her husband. We see the extent of her submission in marriage. Verse 24 begins with the word but to let us know that we need more information. And here it comes. Verse 24, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. So Paul gives us another reason here why wives should submit to her husband. What's that reason? Do you see it? God wants every wife to be a supermodel. He wants every wife to be a supermodel. That's what verse 24 says. God wants the wife to beautifully model the relationship between the church and Jesus. You are all supermodels. Well, how does, how does the church submit to Jesus? Is God satisfied with a part-time commitment from us or a full-time commitment from us? As his church, we are called to submit wholeheartedly in everything we do, all for Jesus, right? 
So verse 24 means that wives are to submit to their husbands wholeheartedly in everything. The word everything means all aspects of the marriage. This does not mean submission in some areas and then rebellious competition in others. I think we've seen this, but when church leaders place themselves above Jesus in any area of the church, that church is in trouble because the leaders are in direct disobedience to God. Likewise, wives, when you place yourself over your husband in any area of, of your marriage, your marriage is in trouble because you're in direct disobedience to God's word. God's command for wives to submit to their husbands in everything, again, as we saw, does not mean you must submit to your husband if he asks you to break the law, do something immoral, harm someone yourself, or be disobedient to God. Okay, if Paul had stopped writing after verse 24, if that's where he stopped, it would be easy for the Christian wife to feel like all the obligations of marriage are on her shoulders. But the verses we're going to cover next week show us that uh, the husbands, we have a lot of obligations and a lot of accountability in the marriage ourselves. So let's wrap up our passage now with a statement, a question, and then a thank you. So we're going to wrap up with a statement, a question, and a thank you. First, the statement. Wow. God expects a lot from wives. Now the question. How can a normal human woman possibly be able to submit to her husband as to the Lord in every aspect of their marriage? The answer comes in verse 18 that we read last week. Look at verse 18. Paul writes that we must be filled with the Spirit. God never, God never gives you and me a command to obey without him giving us the power and the ability to obey that command. That's what's so awesome about God. We may look at our Bibles and go, oh my gosh, but he's saying, yes, you can. The power that God gives us is through his Spirit. Did you notice in our three verses that Paul did not give any specific ways for wives to be submissive? Paul didn't provide any examples. No examples here. Paul didn't say like, here's how a submissive wife responds to a crabby hubby. Didn't, didn't tell us. <clears throat> or here's how the spirit-filled wife disagrees with her husband. Didn't say. Or wives, here's what to do if your husband isn't walking with the Lord. Didn't give us that example either. Paul didn't need to give us examples because he covered all situations in verse 15 or uh, what he said, uh, 18, when he said be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. So this is what this means. Wives, wives, just like your husbands, you must give your life to Jesus. That's where it starts. You must humble yourself and submit yourself to the Lord and place yourself and your marriage and your husband under the Lord's leadership. Wives, just like your husbands, you must spend time in the Bible reading and rereading God's word until God's words, God's thoughts start to become your thoughts. Wives, just like your husbands, 
You need to pray. You need to pray for God to guide you and empower you in every situation you face in marriage because there's tricky ones. Wives, you need to learn what it means to pray without ceasing. And wives, just like your husbands, you need to rely. You need to rely on the Spirit of God to give you wisdom and give you patience in all that you do. So that was the statement. We had the question. Let me close with the thank you. Thank you. You wonderful, amazing, spirit-filled wives. Thank you for your magnificent witness to Christ. Thank you for your all-important role helping your husbands become everything God created them to be. Our prayer team will be right here to pray with you after the service. Let me close this in prayer. Father, thank you for giving us such clear instructions in your word. Father, I pray you will help us learn how to obey you joyfully, willingly, and completely in our homes and in our relationships with each other, but especially between wives and husbands. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for our godly wives. In Jesus' name, amen.